It's been said that your days are like little microcosms for your life. And as your days go, so goes your life. In other words, how you spend your days and what your day-to-day life looks like will tell you a great deal about how you'll spend your life, where your life is headed and what your life will look like. Brushing your teeth and the call of God. Two things that have absolutely nothing in common, right? Well, I think they have more to do with one another than you may know. And I'm going to attempt to spend the rest of this podcast showing you how. about something that can elevate all of your lives, has elevated many lives, even elevated the lives of people who don't serve God. This is something that if you grab a hold of, can lift you up, can turn your life around, can help you be a better person, hands down. All of us will say that we have a calling of God on our life. Even if we're not serving God, we probably at least would say we are aware of or we admit to knowing that God has something for us. Some of us are called maybe to be missionaries. Um, Some of us might have a calling to lead people in worship and in song, musically. Some people have a call of God on their life to write lyrics to songs that move people, that connect people's hearts to God. People have callings to preach. People have callings to be doctors, lawyers, teachers. People can have a strong walk with God that leads them by the Spirit to workplaces And uses them in unprecedented ways that sometimes aren't acknowledged because our paradigm is that callings have to look a certain way, have to be in a box of like cookie cut ministry. But these are callings that all of us have. We all have this something kind of hanging over our heads, hanging over our futures that we know God wants us to get to. And maybe we don't even know what our calling is or what it will look like, but we know that we're called to do something. We just have that tug on our heart. We just feel it that God wants us to be something, to do something. Today, what I'm going to talk about is very practical. It's the nuts and bolts of how we get to that calling. Okay, this calling that I'm talking about is over the span of a life. But there's a calling for your life today and tomorrow and the next day that will get you to your overall big picture calling. Faithfulness and small things that you're called to today. 
that will help you get to your overall overarching calling that's hanging over your life that God has for you, the vehicle to get you to your future, to what God has in store. So let me talk about myself for a second. I personally am called to take the experiences that God has given me. God has done some crazy things in my life, and it started from the very beginning. Um, My adoption story and how I was placed in my mom and dad's home, really it shouldn't have happened. And God stepped in, and all of that was just a miracle how it happened. And maybe I can tell you all about it someday, but it started there. And then throughout my life, God has just worked and he's worked things out when I wasn't living for him to, to my best um, knowledge and my best strength. I wasn't giving it my all. God has just worked things out for me. He's done miracles in my life that I don't deserve. And so the big picture calling of my life, and here's what I know for sure, a part of it, is to take the experiences that God has given me, including filling me with the gift of the Holy Ghost and refreshing me time and time again in the Holy Ghost. Blessings he's given me, understanding he's given me through walking with him. I've got to take that and I've got to somehow articulate or communicate it to people who have no context of that at all. People who don't know that God's name is Jesus even. There are people out there that truly don't know there's a God. Or maybe they guess that there's a God, but they have no idea how to get to him or what his name is. And on the other hand, here I am, And I couldn't deny truly in my heart. I might could with my lips, but I never could truly get to a place where I absolutely denied that God has done things in my life because he's done too much. It's so ingrained and woven into my story that I can't separate who I am from what God's done for me. I don't have that luxury per se. I I don't have that ability to deny God's working in my life. And because of that, my greatest calling, despite of, or aside from, I should say, where I'm called to go as, as a location or, or a title, a capacity I might be called to serve in in a season of my life, bigger than all of those things, I, my number one calling is to somehow take what God has done for me and make it understandable, communicate it to my neighbor across the street who doesn't know, hasn't had any of those experiences. To somebody I might meet in the grocery store, um, to someone I might meet walking down the street or running errands, somehow through relationship building with people who don't know Christ, I've eventually got to get to a place where I can communicate with them, where I can come to where they're at 
and teach them. God has given me a lot of talents. Now, that almost sounds narcissistic, but it's not. Because <laughs> here's what I mean. I'm not talking about talent show talents. I'm not talking about a gift or an ability. I'm talking about the biblical definition of talent. For some reason, God chose me to have a zoomed in, lived out view of the truths and the blessings of God. I'll never have the option to deny God's hand, the miracles he's done. They're too undeniable. That's not the question for me. The question for me is the question of the parable of the talents found in scripture. What will I do with what I've been given? Picking up kids on the church bus has allowed me to see into the lives of some precious young people over the years who have come and gone and a lot of their home situations and family life looks opposite of what mine looked like as a kid. Now, I shouldn't have necessarily had that story. I was put up for adoption for a reason. My birth mom, if she wouldn't have chosen to put me up for adoption, my family life would have looked very, very different than it did. And so I have been given something that truly I didn't deserve. I wasn't even supposed to be born into. Something big, a big blessing, a big leg up was just given to me way before I could ever deserve or earn it. It was just given to me. So the question for my life is, what will I do with what I've been given? There are certain habits that elevate and propel people in life that sharpen them and make them more effective. Habits are things that we do every single day. Good habits elevate us and we're always better because of good habits. For example, we are better off because we shower every day. Brushing our teeth has elevated our life. Can I get an amen? Now just hang on. It seems like I completely like forgot what I was talking about and switched, but I'm coming back to it. So just hang on. But imagine a life of not brushing your teeth. Okay? In some way, in a way, brushing your teeth has a huge role to play in your Christian walk. Is it as important as keeping your heart right before God? <laughs> no. Is it as important as studying and knowing the word of God? Not even close. 
But can you imagine if you didn't brush your teeth? Who would listen to your testimony? Who would care what you have to say as far as witnessing goes? Who would even want to be your friend? Your teeth like are falling out. You open your mouth and green fog comes out and makes people pass out. No one wants you to pray for them for sure. So in a way, this like seemingly unimportant nuts and bolts piece of your life, this habit that we all hope you have implemented. (laughs) It has in a way elevated, underlined, highlighted, helped, promoted your relationship with God. I just recently read a book about the first ladies of the United States um, in modern American history. So it started at Jackie Kennedy and it went to Melania Trump. There was something that all the first ladies had in common. First of all, they had a depth that helped get their husband into the White House. Um, None of our presidents could have been the president if they would have just married a bimbo, a random, you know, person who looked good but had no depth. Something else common to all the first ladies, despite drastically differing personalities and policies, were habits. In other words, even though some of them were Democrats, some were Republican, a lot of them had huge disagreements on policies. There's something that every one of them had in common and that's good habits now they didn't all have the same good habits but they all had things habits something that they did every single day that helped them fulfill their role things they practiced every day that helped them get to be first lady of the united states Some read, some exercised, some kept up with current events, some wrote. But they each had habits that they practiced every day. A man named Brendan Burchard recently wrote a book called High Performance Habits. In his book, he studied people of the equivalent of People like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, um, Steve Jobs, Donald Trump. And he didn't just study those caliber of people in the United States, but he studied people who achieved that level of success from all over the world. And he asked a question. He asked, how did these people get here? And is there something that they all did that something that they share in common that elevated their life to this standard of success? What he found was amazing that even though these people, successful people from all over the world come from different cultures, come from different ways of thinking, different nationalities, they're totally different in so many ways. There are things that they all do 
every day. In other words, they all have habits. They all have something that they do every day. That's what he discovered. Then he asked, okay, they all have habits. All of them are varying habits, but are there some kind of commonalities among these habits that elevated these people's life? Are there shared habits? Do most of them do certain things, a certain habit every single day? And so what he found is a lot of them have a lot of the same habits. And he took the top 10 habits that he found in common amongst all of these successful people. Some in the top 10 included meditation and prayer, reading. And I think reading was like the number one. A lot of them were avid readers. Exercising was one of them. There were several things that most of them did that his theory is elevated their life because they did these things. This book that he wrote, it zooms in and takes a look at the most shared habits found among these people. What he found and what many people have found and said through the years is just a truth that we can all latch onto. And that's that good habits propel us. They make us sharper. For the Christian, they therefore aid us in a life of articulating what I was talking about earlier. What I'm called to do with my life specifically. What you're also called to do with your life. Articulating. Taking what we know to be true. Taking what we know God has done in our lives. And somehow getting it across to other people. Now, when you just share your testimony with someone and it goes in one ear, out the other, that's not articulating. It might not necessarily be your fault. It might be the fault of the listener. Maybe you said all the right things. Maybe you said exactly what God would want you to say and they just missed their chance. But articulating happens when the person listening and your words are able to connect. You say what they need to hear in such a way that it connects to their heart and it does something to them. They change because of it. That's real communication. That's true articulation. We all have the calling more so, bigger than maybe more general callings of where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. We all have the calling to articulate, to share what we know to be true with other people in a way that it connects, in a way that a light bulb goes off in their head. They have that aha moment. They have that amen moment that I agree with what you're saying. I need to do something about what you're saying. Witnessing, then discipling. If you don't have checks and balances in place 
to make sure that you're giving proper focus and attention to your spouse, then your relationship will get out of balance and start to run thin. This goes for a lot of relationships. Many of you don't know (laughs) about what it takes to run a successful marriage, have a successful marriage. Maybe you haven't really thought about it yet. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of intentionality to invest into that relationship. If I went days, weeks, months, and didn't talk to Jared, if I ignored him, pretended like he wasn't there, pretended like he wasn't important to me, it would have an impact on our relationship. Our relationship would start to run thin. If I allow this to happen, if we allowed this to happen, if we allowed our marriage to break down, this would hurt the message that we have and the stance of our life that we take, that marriage is a blessed and holy institution established by God. It would hurt that message to onlookers. The Bible says that we are living epistles known and read of all men. People are looking at our life. They're hearing us when we say we claim to be a Christian. They're seeing that we go to church. And then they're observing. And they're saying, prove to me if God is real. Prove to me by your life. Prove it. Habits are the practical, everyday living out of holy ideas. We all as Christians hold holy ideas. The Bible gives us these holy ideas and we stand for them. We stand for um, pro-life, not aborting children in the womb. We stand for godly marriages, strong marriages. These are holy ideas. Habits are what either undermine or propel these holy ideas. I believe that family is an institution established by God and it's worth guarding with our life, protecting at all costs. I believe that my children will be my greatest disciples in this life. I believe that my spouse, Brother Jared, is the most important person, thing in my life besides God. I believe that prayer is important. I believe that reading my Bible is important. But habits are the practical underlying things in my life and in your life that will either emphasize or undermine these ideas that have been derived by God. These are right ideas, good ideas derived by God, derived by scripture. But the things that I do every single day or don't do every single day either undermine those ideas that I say are important or they emphasize them and prove to everyone around that I truly believe they're important. 
We live in a physical world that God created. And the physical is good because God created it. Life is not all spiritual, as in where the physical is absent. The physical, your flesh, is the context in which we live. It's the story that God is writing with our lives on the earth. We are more spiritual than we are physical. One day we will stop being physical, but we will never stop being spiritual. The physical world is a ticking clock with a nearing end. The spiritual is never ending. However, the physical world is the context in which we live. What we do with the very physical, structural, and practical elements of our lives will either lend a hand to or pull away from what we're meant to be spiritually in terms of our purpose. Our habits either undermine or they serve the ideas that we're trying to live out. The Bible says, serve the Lord with all our, what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Heart refers to the spiritual. Soul refers to the spiritual. Mind refers to the spiritual. These are all things that will go to eternity with us. They make up our eternal being. But the Bible also says to serve the Lord with all our strength. And we're going to pay special attention to that aspect of living for God and serving God. All of our strength. In other words, the practical aspects of our lives that either add to or take away from the spiritual. The flesh in the Bible represents wrong, bad, unhealthy desires and thinking that leads us to sin. We war against that. But the physical or the strength that this scripture is referring to refers to our need on this earth for rest, work, play, laughter, nurture, relationships, health, etc., We don't war against that. The physical should be cultivated to serve the spiritual. They work hand in hand. Our prayer should always be, God, work on my heart. Show me the chasm or the gap between what I am and what you've called me to be. And show me how to close that gap. But sometimes closing the gap is a physical work, not a spiritual one. It could simply be a time management issue that's keeping you away from the Bible, not necessarily this gross, dark sin. The Bible says bodily exercise profits little. A lot of preachers like to laugh about that and joke about that. Some even say it's their favorite scripture. (laughs) But that's because the issues of the heart are paramount. They're most important. That's what that scripture is trying to get across. Salvation and ironing out our position and attitude toward God is number one. You can go to heaven unhealthy. You can totally neglect 
the physical body that God gave you and you can go to heaven. I think you can go to heaven if you're a poor manager of your time. If your heart is in the right place, if your heart came to a place that God was pleased with, we can obtain salvation. You can be super physically fit. You could have an eight pack, a 10 pack, if that's a thing. You can have huge biceps. You can be so healthy that you live to 110. And that doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. In fact, a lot of really physically fit people are not going to heaven. The scripture is trying to communicate The spiritual is so much more important than the physical. Who we are in our hearts is what matters the absolute most. But it doesn't say that it doesn't profit. It says it profits little. Or other words, in comparison, we understand that we are to be good stewards of what God has given us including our body, the physical element of our life. In another way, brushing your teeth serves your call to be fishers of men. Bodily exercise in this scripture, bodily exercise profits little. You can replace it with brushing your teeth because you could go to hell with really fresh breath. (laughs) You could go to hell with very brushed teeth. Brushing your teeth profits little compared to the things of the heart and the mind. You don't hear anyone preaching that you should be praying instead of brushing your teeth, do you? No, because we understand that brushing your teeth is just an all-around good thing. This is why Sister Nona Freeman, who led one of the most incredible spiritual lives, just dynamic spiritual life, wrote a book on health and nutrition. Our body is the vehicle that God gave us to fulfill our call and our purpose or to get to our calling and our purpose. You can't separate the physical from the spiritual. This is a physical world. This is the context in which we are called to live out the spiritual things of God through our bodies, through the structures and the systems, the practical things set in motion in our everyday lives. Finances is another example. Many people would put finances in a physical category. But how we handle our finances either aids us in our call of God or it deeply limits what God can do through our life. Prayer and meditation in the most practical sense allow us to transcend the here and the now. Pull us up out of the everyday living, going to work, going to school. 
In Brendan Burchard's book, prayer and meditation was one of the top habits that the most successful people around the world have. Now, the problem is most of those people are not Christian, certainly not apostolic. And yet this habit of prayer and meditation somehow even separated from the knowledge of who Jesus is, is so powerful that it, it elevates their life somehow. That's because in a very practical sense, it's the pause button in the busyness and circumstances of life that reconnect us with our purpose and our values, where we're trying to get in the first place. It's stopping to remember that where we're ultimately trying to get to, to avoid getting lost in the chaos and the confusion, the sadness or the busyness that might be happening to us in this moment. Another man named Hal Elrod wrote a book called The Miracle Morning. And basically the whole book is about how doing certain habits early in the morning before you start your day will completely change your life. It's one of the top selling books on Amazon. And many people provide testimonials that they have put the concepts of this book into practice and it totally changed their life. People like Hal Elrod, Tim Ferriss, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, etc., etc. Maybe not all of those, but people like them meditate. This is why reflection, realignment, a compass needle, even in the most stripped down basic sense, even unattached to truth, is a powerful act that intensely elevates your life. So what in the world does what I'm saying have to do with you? You're a better person because you brush your teeth every day, right? Really, would you disagree with me? Brushing your teeth every day (laughs) makes you better. It's a system that you have in your life a routine, something you do every single day. Let that service prove to you that habits work. They elevate your life. Taking a shower every day. The person, insert name here, the person who showers every day, the you who showers every day is better than the you who never showers, right? Habits elevate our life. So my question to you today is, what habits do you have in your life right now? This, I believe, comes at an important time for us because this is a time that we can really focus on instituting habits in our life. We have so much open-ended time right now. What's something every day that you can start putting into practice that will help you get to where you're trying to go? What I'm trying to say in all of this 
Most of us say we have a calling of God on our life. And it's this like abstract thing that's kind of futuristic that we're reaching toward, but we don't know quite how to get to. We know it's there. We say we want to get to it. We think maybe eventually I'll get there. But maybe we're not doing anything today, right now, to actually make that happen. The call of God, unfortunately, is not just going to fall on you one day. You're not going to reach age 40 and God be like, okay, you've turned 40. Here it is. The call of God and our obligations and our duties to get there starts today. What will get us there is reading our Bible, meeting God in prayer. Those are the top two. Fasting. There's other habits like reading, exercise. It's a good one. Um, Insert here, writing a letter to people to let them know you miss them. Writing thank you cards every time somebody does something nice for you. I don't know what you personally need to institute in your life. But we all need good habits. We need good financial habits. We need good habits to wake up every day to make ourselves better. If CEOs and heads of great companies like Apple and Amazon can do things every day to make them sharpened and more effective, incredible leaders, then why should we, who have the truth of God, why should we be sloppy with the life that we live? Why should we be slops? Why should we be uncaring with our time and refuse to grab a hold of this gift? You know what the greatest commodity in your life is? The number one greatest gift you've been given is time. You're seeing a lot of open-ended time right now. But one day you're going to run out of that. And what you did with what you've been given That's what's going to determine at the end of your life if you lived a good one, if you were a faithful steward who hears the words, well done, or if you were an unwise investor who just took what God did for you, gave you, and buried it. God has called us to double, triple, quadruple what he's given to us. And how can we do this? How can we really become the people who can obtain the call of God? How can we become the people that God can bless, that God can give responsibilities to? It's not through being sloppy with our time. Maybe you should go to bed earlier. Maybe you should wake up a little earlier. Maybe that's a good way 
to make sure that you get to pray and spend time with God. If that's the cost, that very practical, physical thing, if that's the cost for having a life of prayer and commitment to God, then it's worth it. And that physical element of your life is actually more spiritual than you could possibly imagine. I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of your life. The little things that hold everything together. If you were to say that you wanted to be a great witness for God and all you eat is chocolate starting right now, would that undermine or would that serve this idea that you're going to be a great soul winner? Well, in a few years, you would have so many health problems that you wouldn't really be able to be a great soul winner. The physical elements of our lives have so many implications for the spiritual. What I'm trying to get at most and foremost, if you say, if you feel, God, I want to be what you've called me to be. I want to obtain the call of God. I want to get there. Let me tell you how you can start right now. Write down maybe five, maybe 10 habits that can help you today. Be a better person. Be a better version of yourself. Brushing your teeth, showering, two things hopefully you already have in place that make you a better you. And this is proof that is not arguable that habits work. They elevate your life. Something you do every day. Let me tell you the top two things on that list that you create need to be prayer and the word of God. But then maybe maybe you should write down some habits on how to make sure that happens. Maybe you haven't been praying lately because you've been staying up too late on YouTube. Maybe you haven't gotten to the word of God because you've been watching too much Netflix. So a very practical elemental nuts and bolts little habit that you could maybe set in place right now today is I allow myself this much Netflix, this much YouTube, maybe you say 30 minutes per day. And after that, I'm done. You can set um, timers on your phone, make your phone shut off after a certain amount of time. After so much social media, you can cause your phone to, to turn that off, shut it down. Get some things in your life that will help you, that will aid you in pointing you back to spending time with God. The things that we don't think about aren't necessarily preached about very much because they're considered very temporal and physical, but they're actually way more spiritual than you can imagine. Love you guys so much. Hope you're all doing well. Send us a text, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And just know that we're thinking about you and we're praying for you every day. We love you all so much. Hope you guys are having a good day.